You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am here for deep soul level conversations and connections about spirituality to step into a deeper understanding of what lies on the other side of the veil. As a social impact entrepreneur, founder of the Moon Temple Mystery School, high priestess and ritualist, I am shining a light on walking the awakening path and how it weaves into our daily lives. I invite you to take a deep breath, leave what you know at the door, and step into the mysteries with me. You know, we're here on Grit and Grace bringing you really in-depth conversations on high-level spiritual teachings that are grounded in reality, like grounded in our bodies, grounded in the earth, grounded in what we still need to learn. Because for me, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I, I I really believe that. The more I know, I realize I know less. <laughs> and I am so excited f- to have Dr. Frances Yahia back with me again. She is a spiritual wizard. She is an archetypal astrologer. She runs a school. She provides teaching and coaching, and there's so many ways to get involved with her. And we are so fortunate because she is willing to continue to come back and have these deep conversations on really practical, yet often unexplored, in, in my opinion, often unexplored pieces of power that lie in what people might consider old school ways of relating to our life. And today we're going to be talking about mythology and how important it is. And you have heard Dr. Yahya weave this into every single conversation we've had. And for me, I feel a shift in my body when I explore how the mythology is playing out in my life, because I know that it is, I witness it, I see it. And Dr. Yahya is bringing in the practical part of the stories that for a lot of us, we'd have to spend a lot of time researching. And then you don't even know the source because you can read one mythology in five different sources and it can be different. And so Dr. Yahya brings you these real examples of mythology. So I'm super excited. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. So I want to do a who's who in mythology. Okay. Yay. Let's do it. Okay. So for those of you who like astrology, I am linking it back to the planetary archetypes. Even if you do not know or care for astrology, these archetypes are living entities in your psyche. They live in your head space and you are sort of guided by them knowingly or unknowingly. So let's start with just the the beginning. Uranus is the sky god and we'll talk more about him in a minute. He is castrated by his son Saturn. And as a result, he has a daughter named Aphrodite. Uranus archetype, and we'll talk about the God in a minute more, is chaos and freedom. And he's what's ruling right now, the age of Aquarius. So you could see sort of the chaos in the world Mm. is because he's ushered in this, this stage. He is castrated by his son, Saturn. We are castrated by Saturn. Limits, time, a body. So that myth is ruled by what are called the Titans. The Titans are no longer in power, but the reason we want to mention them briefly and sort of the origins is that our animal nature or our low-level nature is in part what dictates us. We'd like to believe that we're the Olympians, we're more refined gods and goddesses, but our origins come from the Titans. So to believe that we don't have a low-level consciousness or a low-level nature is naive. The other reason that this is important, every one of these gods and goddesses that represent archetypes, we live out 
in both a low consciousness and a high consciousness. Mm. We choose. So it's not that the God is divine or the God has a manner of being. We choose which aspects of the archetype we live out, either a titanic sort of way that's more earthly animalistic or a more refined way. Um, when we talk about Mars and Aries and Athena, I'll go deeper into that. From, now, can I yes, just pause you to two quick questions? What you're naming, like Uranus and Saturn, are planets. You also mentioned Aphrodite. And um, are all of the, the gods and goddesses we're going to talk about in mythology related to a specific planet? Yes. That okay, are planetary that's... archetypes. So that's why okay. I said, if you like astrology or you know your astrology, you want to run your astrology chart, wherever you have Uranus, you're going to be living out that God. Wherever you have Aphrodite, you're going to be living out that God. So you'll start to see how these gods and goddesses, they're not sitting in Olympus. They're in your head. They're running mm -hmm. the show in your mm -hmm. head. I have a great video series on my YouTube called It's All in Your Head, part one and two. And I go very in depth about these as well. So Uranus is castrated from his son, Saturn, and he births Aphrodite or Venus. From the castration of the universal consciousness, Uranus, we are limited into a body, Saturn. We birth love, erotic love and agape love. Mm. So that is sort of the shortcut, if you will, to Greek mythology and the answer to our life. But we have to go through all of the archetypes, all of the planets, all of this, all the gods and goddesses to understand that at the end, that's the key. And I, f I feel like, how could you not believe in astrology when the planets are real? Like science right. says, with, I, I mean, because that's my head is still stuck on the planets because I'm like, the planets exist in our solar system. Like we know them, we see them, we have pictures of them. We know what they look like. They're there. They're real. Yeah. Well, this links back to our show that we did on the universal laws, the Mac Daddy law principle of mentalism. It's all mind. It's all in your head. So if you want to know how your head works, how your psyche and mind work, go to the archetypes. Where do we get mm -hmm. archetypes from the planets? What are the planets named after? The gods and goddesses. So it just see, and that's mythology. So it's like a package deal, you know? <laughs> I like how you just, you just broke that down so quickly, but so <laughs> clearly. Let's say that again. If you want to understand your mind and your psyche, you then need to you need to know the archetypes. You need to know the archetypes. The archetypes are linked to planets. We know mm -hmm. the planets are real, right? And those planets are named after gods and goddesses from mythology. From mythology. So if you know yeah, mythology, okay. yeah. you can know your psyche. If yes, you use it. the tool of astrology, great. If not, it doesn't matter. I'll give you keywords for each one so you know. So Saturn then is dethroned by his son, Zeus. Zeus decides to split the world. He gets the heavens. Neptune gets the oceans and Pluto or Hades gets the underworld. This is the beginning of the Olympians. This is what we understand to be the gods and goddesses. But it's important to kind of have that distinction between like the gods and goddesses of Olympians that that we expect to be more refined, which they're not. But that's what we think of. And then the Titans. So here we see our low level consciousness, animal nature, Titans and our Olympian nature, spiritual consciousness. Mm, I like we how you get did to that. choose okay. yep. which yep. one we live out. Right. So I have on my YouTube, and I mentioned this in one of our other podcasts, what's called the spiritual adulting brain map. It comes from my spiritual adulting book. I'm going to go up the ladder 
from the moon all the way to the black moon to explain the archetypes. So I'm going to tell you the God, the story, and then what is reflected in planetary archetype if you want to find it in astrology. So let's start with the moon. The moon is Artemis and it's also Demeter. So there are 12 Olympian gods and then there's a conflict. Some people think it's Demeter and some people think it's Dionysus. I'm going to cover both. So the moon is going to be linked to Artemis and Demeter. What they have in common is that they are maternal energy. They love animals. Artemis is the huntress and she's always with a pack of wolves. And Demeter is like the mother earth. So the moon archetype, those people that seem very nurturant are always baking or cooking or bringing you soup. That is the Demeter or the Artemis archetype. There's an interesting thing in the moon. The moon in our chart is a trick. The moon veils us into believing that that is our self-worth and that is the version of love we seek. In mythology, Artemis accidentally actually killed her lover. So what this does in our psyche is if we show up as our moon, if we show up as the mother and not the woman, we actually kill our lover. We're not here to mother the partner. We're here to be the lover to the partner. Mm. And you're going to see that in Aphrodite. That is that right there. Like we could stop the whole show and just contemplate that right there. The moon, the moon is a veil for that. Like that is, ooh. Yes. Look up your moon sign, people. Yep. Look up your moon and sign. So what like, I tell people when they're doing my inner child slumber party work is only give yourself and your inner child the moon sign. Give every other person the opposite moon sign. So if you're into mm-hmm. astrology. So one of the things I tell clients all the time, I mean, students all the time in my program, do not therapize your partner <laughs> mm-hmm. because we get into this habit of mothering and that mm-hmm. is not, that will kill the lover just like Artemis. The next is the sun and the sun is Apollo. Apollo and Artemis are brother and sister. They're actually twins. In Artemis's birth, she is birthed and two minutes later, she births her brother, Apollo, the moon has no light of its own. That's why it's a trick and a veil in our chart. We doesn't have any light. It's not true. It's the sun. We're here to be Apollo, the divine, and he is the God of light and prophecy. So in our chart, this is where we identify where we're supposed to shine bright and and light. But there's a relationship between your solar aspect and your lunar aspect in your archetypes or in your psyche linked to this myth. She never had chance to take care of herself. That's why we take care of others in hopes of getting our needs met and getting love the way we want. But really, we have to show up like Apollo, the god of light and prophecy. Mm. So that's the sun in the chart. And that's our rational archetype. Our moon tends to represent more of the mother. And the father tends to represent the sun, the anima and the animus and the light and the dark or the moon and the, and the sun in the archetypal nature of, of Hume. Next is Mercury. And you had mentioned the, the trickster God in one of our other mm-hmm. interviews. This is the trickster God. So this is Mercury or Hermes. So this is a great story. So now Apollo is the sun and he has a brother named Hermes. So when Hermes or Mercury is born within minutes, 
he assesses the land. And Apollo has all these cows. And Mercury, as the trickster that he is, says, oh, I'm going to steal all the cows. <laughs> so he jumps out of the crib. I'm talking minutes before, after he's born. And he walks backwards. That is why Mercury retrogrades three times a year. Mm-hmm. So he walks backwards. He steals all the cows, but he keeps one because he knew he was going to have to bribe. The archetype of Mercury has to do with merchant sales, bribery. The next part of the story is Apollo, the son, goes up to his father, Zeus, and says, Mercury just stole all my cows. So Mercury, expecting to get reprimanded, goes up to Olympus and he brings that cow that he kept on reserve to Zeus. And he chopped it into little pieces, put it on a platter and serves Zeus, who's his father as well. And Zeus can't get mad at him. He bats his eyes and he acts all cute. And he's like, I can't get mad at you. And he makes him the messenger of the gods. Mm-hmm. Tricksters, um, the thought, the monkey mind is all the domain of Mercury and her maze. So if you're a gambler, if you are um, into merchant and sales, that's all the archetype of, of Mercury. And it's from that myth. The other important piece of this myth is that Apollo is the sun. Every single one of us is born with Mercury right next to the sun in our chart. And it's the veil of illusion. It's the trickster. We don't really know our sun first because of the shadow of the moon and next because of Mercury veiling our true essence, our true divine nature and our true light. So we're all battling the moon archetype, the Artemis and the Demeter. And we're all battling the Her- uh, Hermes Mercury archetype to try to get our true sun or our Apollo to shine through. Mm, I love it. I feel like I've just entered into story time and I want to like <laughs> sit back and sip a cup of tea and keep <laughs> listening to the stories. Keep going. <laughs> the next is Athena and Aries. So I said that you get to decide how you're going to live out these archetypes. Okay, so these gods are there. They're in your psyche. You're talking about free will. Sorry, just to interrupt. You're talking about free will. Let's just put that out there. Yes, you choose an earthly consciousness, low level, brute, Aries, war, strength, conflict, fighting, yelling, aggression. Or you choose Athena, wisdom, uh, silence, assessing what's best, what's the strategy. In this particular myth, you've got Aries and Athena, But every single archetype, every single god or goddess, every single planet gives you that same opportunity. Low consciousness, high consciousness. Only you decide. If anyone ever tells you in a reading, in astrology, ever, the level of consciousness that you are born at, that is absolutely incorrect. That is a free will choice, a person's choice in Mm. which how they're going to show up in a situation. We're all technically born into low consciousness because we have a body. I don't know if you're at C or at X, but there's always an octave to raise. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you what that is. Only you know that. So that's free will and we're not allowed to mess with that. So Aries is the god of war. His parents, Zeus and Hera, are always fighting, always fighting. He does not know life with peace. So Mars is that part of us that's the masculine energy, brute strength, fighting, aggressive. Athena is actually born from Zeus's head, which is called parthogenesis. Parthogenesis is when the god decides to birth the child alone. So Zeus swallows Metis, 
who's pregnant with Athena and he births her from the head. So Athena's the cool-headed warrior, the cool-headed strategist, not the boots on the ground, but the one in the Oval Office kind of looking at the strategy from above. And that's just a perfect opportunity to identify that we choose when it's appropriate to be aggressive and assertive versus strategize and step back a moment and assess. And we get this right with every single archetype, with every single god and goddess. But that one's a really prime example because Mars is that aggressive nature tendency. But as we get older, we start realizing, oh, this situation might require us to step back. Mm -hmm. Next is Aphrodite. Aphrodite is also known as Venus. So Aphrodite was born from the castration of Uranus. Uranus is symbolic of the universal consciousness, father, sky, God, whatever you consider the universal womb. We all come from the divine, from Uranus. We're all castrated the minute we're given the body. So we live out this Uranus-Saturn myth. We cannot be free and chaotic all the time, ultimate liberation all the time if we are in a body. So we are here to balance the Uranus-Saturn archetypes, the freedom, chaos, slash structure, limit archetype. Most people, let's say, work a lot and then they take a two-week vacation. That's how they balance this archetype. And this comes from the myth. From the testicle of Uranus, Aphrodite or Venus is birthed out of a conch shell. The conch shell is always symbolic of the vagina. And she's birthed out of the vagina, out of the conch shell from the oceans. And she represents God of love and beauty. There's a big problem in our psyche when Christianity took over. They slapped Mm. the Virgin Mary on her. Mm-hmm. And women struggle between their non-prostitute archetypes. They struggle between the woman and the mother archetypes. And we're both. You cannot be a mother Demeter without sex. Mm-hmm. And so this archetype is where women most struggle. Well, how sexual and sensual can I be and yet be divine and maternal? And you see this a lot with women that's and men too. Men struggle with this too. But because of that Virgin Mary archetype that is tied into the Venus or the Aphrodite story. So we're both. We need erotic love. Her son was actually Eros, Cupid, blind love, you know, what we celebrate Valentine's Day. And she actually birthed from the heart what we call agape love, which is love of the other. You cannot. If you don't have erotic, passionate love, desirous love, second chakra, then have self-love, third chakra, despite your passions, you cannot reach agape love, fourth chakra for another. It goes in order. And so Mm. she really teaches. I'm writing that that. down. I'm writing that down (laughs) because that's going to be another show. We're going to go through. We're going to go through the 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 love process of the chakras. Okay, I'm putting that down. There's so much mythology with Aphrodite. Oh my gosh! You know I love that so much. And I have stories about Aphrodite that would blow your mind that I have experienced with Aphrodite. Um, Okay, keep going. I've noted. So we'll do a whole show, and there's so many myths about mm. all of the sensuality, sexuality, erotic, all the, the children that she has. She's in charge of the garden, uh, the girdle of Hippolyte. Like there's so much. She started the Trojan War. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, literally women do make the world go around. She's proof of that. I love so, it. And that's a great archetype to really discover. 
Next is Zeus or Jupiter. So when Saturn is dethroned, he's dethroned by his son, Jupiter. Let me break down some, some word here. Uh, Jupiter in Latin, I believe, I might mess up the, the origins, is Jupiter. Jupiter is a spin on the word deuce. Deuce turned into Dios. Dios in Spanish means God. The image in our Christian Western psychology of religion, Western religion, whether or not you practice, the image of God we all have is Zeus. Hmm. And so, yes, he runs the heavens. Yes, he's the king of, Olymp of Olympus, but he's a whore. He's betrayal. He cheats. Hera's constantly chasing him. We forgot, and this speaks to what you said at the intro, we forgot or maybe it was the other episode. I can't remember. We've done so many together. That mythology is real, living, death, rebirth, pain, suffering. Mm -hmm. It's not pretty. It's not yeah, we mean. said we said that it's not. It's not. It's not been like washed into no. a pretty package because mythology tells the truth, which is how we're living. Exactly. And a lot of stories that are told or used for spirituality now are just they take out they that take out part. All of it exactly, yeah. and this is part of it. But, so if we're that, but made that makes God wait, image, let me say yes. let me say one thing. I just had this thought. That's how that's why people think of God as so separate than themselves, like or their vision of God, because God's perfect. God doesn't make the mistakes. God <laughs> doesn't create Zeus. destruction. <laughs> yeah. God God doesn't kill cows. God doesn't is isn't a horror, right? Oh Whereas God, that no. creates such the separation, separation between the human and the right. God. And so understanding mythology is understanding that we are all of that. All and of so, it. And so yeah, that's how powerful. beautiful when we hear made in God's image and God deuce Jupiter's Jupiter and Zeus deuce there too, that you identify that, yes, okay, there's a divine nature. You're in Olympus. You're on the heavens. Okay, we have a divine nature, but we also have a very earthly human nature that we enjoy sex. He was a glutton. He loved sex. He loved food. He loved drink. I mean, he was a whore. So to think that we shouldn't have that earthly sort of desirous love of, of life the way he did is nonsense. And so this really brings you closer to reality and your own reality of yourself and what expectations to hold yourself to. So Jupiter um, birthed most of the children in Olympus. Most of the gods and goddesses in Olympus were products of him. So he is like the father, again, back to that idea of the Christian heavenly father is mm -hmm. where that comes from. He was married to Hera. Hera nagged him to death. We'll talk about Hera last because I'll, I'll put her as another archetype. So for those who like astrology. Um, next is Saturn. So we mentioned um, we mentioned Saturn was dethroned. Jupiter dethroned his father, Saturn. This is important. Saturn was the goddess. I mean, the god of the grain. He was the god where we celebrate Christmas originally was the Bacchanalia or the Saturnalia. What we were celebrating was all the harvest and all the grain that the year had produced. And so when he was dethroned and Jupiter was slapped on as God, that becomes to celebrate this this heavenly father or, you know, Jesus in the sense of, you know, being um, washed our sins away. But really that was an earthly 
um, celebration that ended in orgies and drinking and partying, thanking Mother Earth, thanking the harvest for having been keeping us fed the whole year round. And so there's a lot there that these uh, Christian stories took from the mythology and then, like you said, cleaned it up and then Mm -hmm. made it their own. They just changed Mm -hmm. some names. So Saturn is limits, boundaries, and he's also linked to our adulting. Why? He was responsible for castrating his father. So let me take you a moment back to Uranus. Uranus was the father sky. Every time he had a baby with Mother Earth, Gaia, he would take the baby and shove it into Mother Earth's belly. That's why Mother Earth takes the pain, the bloodshed, the suffering, the death, the bodies of all of us. Because Father Sky didn't want any of that. He would shove those children, all of us, into Gaia's belly. Well, one day, Saturn said, no more. I'm freeing my mother. I'm freeing Mother Earth of the Titans, because all those kids were Titans. And he brought out all the brothers and sisters that had been shoved into Mother Earth's belly. And his mother gave him a a sickle. And with that uh, kind of sword, he castrated Uranus. Mm. So Saturn as an archetype is what forces us to alchemize. It's what forces us to bend. It's what forces us to limit. It's what forces us to set boundaries. None of us like it. We don't want to be castrated in our freedom in doing whatever we want and then shoving it in the earth. But Mother Earth is angry and she's like, wait a minute, someone defend me. And we see a lot Mm -hmm. of Saturns coming now forth to Mm -hmm. defend her. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of limits, the idea of, of there's limited resources on Mother Earth, time, money, energy is all the domain of Saturn. He says, be limited in the freedom, be limited in the chaos you create in life. That's why he castrates limits, I mean, freedom and chaos that represents Uranus as an archetype mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that God. Interesting. And what's more important about that is we cannot do any karma. Saturn is the planet of karma, the archetype of karma without a body. So if we want to grow spiritually, we have to leave Uranus, the sky God, the universal consciousness, and come into a body via Saturn, via limits, via time, we're only here for a certain amount of time on earth so that we could burn the karma. So a lot of people don't like Saturn as an archetype, but he's actually the ruler of the chart in many ways. And I like how you're you're referencing it back to needing the body because we've talked about this several times that doing spiritual work and learning the mythology and learning all of this is not about floating up to Uranus and the clouds and the cosmos and doing light and and high level work. No, no, we are still in a human body having a human experience. And this is the only place where we can actually shine that Apollo, that, that divine nature. And it's the only place that we actually find freedom. Freedom is not found out of the body. Freedom is not found with more money or more time or more, you know, time in our day, Saturn. Freedom is actually removing the shackles, which is also Saturn's domain, the limiting beliefs in the psyche, raising transmutation, raising consciousness in the brain, in in the mind. So we see a lot with that. And go listen to 
go listen to the 12 spiritual truths show <laughs> right. that we did if you want if you want to go down that path go visit it cuz we go into detail Absolutely. in that yeah mm-hmm. and let me just say one more thing uranus as a planet the sign aquarius before uranus was discovered in the sky was actually ruled by saturn the ancients knew that chaos and liberty and freedom needed to be contained in the body with structure and limits. So they made the ruler Saturn. We now have attributed to, you know, chaos age of Aquarius and freedom and liberty and the internet and all these, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. it's all global Mm -hmm. because of the old ruler, but the ancients knew that freedom needed, needed some boundaries. And that's something that I think we're going to see as we get older in this age of Aquarius, because right now we're Mm -hmm. just destroying the limits and boundaries. No one wants a box. No one wants a boss. No one wants anything. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we're going to have to reestablish some structure in society after this sort of all collapses. Mm -hmm. Next is Neptune. So when Jupiter takes over and dethrones Saturn, he gives himself the heavens and he gives Neptune the oceans. The oceans are always indicative of delusion, addiction, spirituality. Anything to do with water is always spirituality, but is also addiction and hiding and secrets and low-level consciousness. So just imagine the archetype of the ocean. What's at the bottom of the ocean? Probably some dead bodies and probably some buried treasure. So -hmm. you have your spiritual treasure, but you also got your deep, dark shadows that you may not have access to. Mm -hmm. So Neptune's story is interesting. Neptune actually um, went before Athens was named Athens, uh, Neptune or Poseidon in the Greek and Roman. And he and Athena that I mentioned was uh, the archetype of Mars, go to Athens to name the city. Neptune offers springs, water springs to the Athenians. And Athena offers an olive branch, obviously the city named Athens, she won. Why? She won because the olive branch represented material wealth. Water and rivers and springs always represents spiritual wealth. Mm. Neptune as an archetype is always spirituality. But what happens with spirituality, we want to dissociate. We want to leave the body. We want to be an imagination. We want the hallmark and the Disney story. And we fail to get grounded. That's why Pisces, ruled by Neptune, fail to have discernment and oftentimes get so elusive in their spiritual consciousness, they forget about their earthly realm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see it all the time. Actually, I'm sure you and I both do it. I see it playing out in so many communities. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Neptune or water or spiritual sort of springs always need the Athena, the wisdom We need the earthly consciousness. We need the olive branch, which is the material. This goes back to both levels of consciousness. We need the low-level consciousness of the body, and we need the spiritual consciousness that Neptune provides. The lower consciousness of Neptune is any sort of addiction. Yeah, some call it the shadow side. We use shadow differently, but some call it the shadow side of that archetype, which is Correct. one extreme, like an extreme side of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a book coming out called The Shadow Side of the Mother's Love. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the water in the womb in our psyche. We think it's the universal womb, but it's actually the earthly womb. 
And so it's exactly that. It's a shadow side that we think we're getting our spiritual waters, but we're not. We're getting what I call toxic waters. Mm -hmm. So absolutely right. Next is Pluto. So now Jupiter gave himself the heavens, Neptune the oceans, and now the underworld. So Pluto is the god of the underworld, also known as Hades. He hangs out there all the time by himself. He doesn't really like many people to bother him. And so one day he sees Persephone in the garden and he rips open the earth and he yanks Persephone. Persephone was Demeter, so Mother Earth, the moon, um, the moon goddess, the moon archetype. And he yanks Persephone and he's like, you're going to be my wife. It's my favorite mythology, by the okay. way, is <laughs> Persephone. And there's so many variations so of this. Many so many variations. You know, but, but regardless, we're so, talking about the underworld. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she eats six pomegranates and there's a rule in the underworld that if you eat anything in the underworld as a guest, you belong to, to Pluto. So Zeus comes down to the underworld and says, guy, you have got to give Persephone back. Like Mother Earth, Demeter is super sad and she doesn't want anything to grow and people are going to start dying mm -hmm. left and right. Mm -hmm. So he's like, okay, let's make a deal half and half six months of the year. She's with me six months of the year. She's with mom. This is a really important archetype. This is linked to death, to grief, to things that are taken from you without notice. When you in your psyche create a harsh, abrupt ending, someone walks out on you, betrays you, dies on you, you get fired. It is a Pluto archetype. It is the God Pluto who is taking you into the underworld so that you can figure out something. There is mm. a lesson there. What happened with Persephone? Persephone was in delusion with her mother. She was in constant innocence, frolicking in the woods with a narcissist flower that kind of kept her delusional. He forced her to grow up. He forced her to remove a veil. There isn't going to be anything that happens abruptly, no closure. That isn't Pluto's domain. But I guarantee you, you will find deeper meaning and extract some essence mm -hmm. from that experience. You will have mm -hmm. an, a veil removed or some clarity about something that you didn't. Maybe after the grief period. But it's mm -hmm. there. The lesson is there. And that's his domain. So those are all the planets that exist in the sky and on our chart. The last two are going to correlate with gods and goddesses in Olympus, but they are asteroids in the astrology chart. Chiron. Chiron, I tie into Hephaestus. That's the great myth. I'll tell you that in a minute. And Hestia. And then I'll bring in Dionysus. So I said before, um, Dionysus is sometimes left out, just like Demeter. Some accounts say Demeter, some say of the 12 Olympians is Dionysus. So I'm bringing in all of them. Chiron is actually an asteroid in the sky. Hephaestus. Hephaestus is the son of Zeus and Hera, and he is the brother of Ares. He is the only god that is kicked out of Olympus. He's born club foot. He is the only God that technically isn't perfect. So despite Zeus being mm. a whore and Mars being angry, they're still considered divine. So this is really instructing our psyche. Despite our flaws, we're still divine, but not Hephaestus. Hephaestus is thrown to the bottom of the ocean. He has a club foot and the nymphs raise him. But guess what God he is? He is the God of fire. 
And fire mm. is the only element that humans control. can use to transmute. Use. Mm-hmm. And so there's a story there that your wound, how you're kicked out of Olympus, heaven, your family, you're not enough, worthlessness, whatever your wound is on your chart will be shown by Chiron that we all have is exactly the fire, exactly what's going to propel you forward to get yourself back to Olympus, similar to Hercules. So it's through our wound that we shine the light. It's through our wound that we find the way. And it's also ruler of the third chakra, which combines the lower nature of the animal and the higher nature of the human. Chiron is a centaur. He's not a god. He is the teacher of the god's children. So on the chart, I use Chiron, but Hephaestus is one of the gods that represent him. He's also known as Vulcan. It's amazing how this is uh, this plays out in our life. I mean, oh my god, so, we live out so these much. myths amazingly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So another Chiron representative on Olympus is Hestia. Hestia again, she's the goddess of the hearth, but she's in control of the fire. In the Greek agora, where all the gods hung out, there was Hestia, and she was in charge of the fire. She could not leave her her fire to attend to any of the other cult worships. She had to stay put. And what this teaches us, again, linked to Chiron on the chart of the asteroid Chiron, is that it's our fire and manning our fires and taking care of ourselves, our needs, that then lights the path for others. It's Mm -hmm. not burning ourselves or playing small with no fire. It's about manning our fires, owning that third chakra that we really light the way for self and others. It's it's becoming your own, it's being your own fire tender. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And at the level that you're you have capacity to, right? Mm-hmm. Then is Dionysus. So Dionysus is the god of wine. And he's kind of been misrepresented. And I think this is why sometimes he's kind of kicked out of the Olympians. He is the wine of life, he's the god of wine. The thing is that Dionysus is actually a transgender god. Every mythology has one. And he is all transgender gods represent male, female, Shiva, Shakti, masculine, female, and or masculine, feminine. And so his balance of energies indicates us through Chiron, the lower nature, higher nature, masculine, feminine, light, dark with Hestia, all of them say the same thing, that that's the way to true health and balance and equanimity is balancing our energies, whether it's male, female, light, dark, or earth and spiritual nature. So those three gods represent Mm -hmm. that Chiron asteroid in the chart. And then- you know what's- Yes, Keep going. No, no. No, you keep going. And then lastly (laughs) is the queen of Olympus. And wow, is she angry. So the queen of Olympus is Hera, Zeus's consort. And because Zeus is always cheating and always on a rendezvous, she's checking his phone and in his emails and in his DMs and checking out everything that he's doing. And she is miserable, miserable and trying to get payback like what she did with Hercules constantly. And so she is linked in our chart to who we absolutely love, Black Moon Lilith. Because Black Moon Lilith as an archetype, if we love her and we understand her and we cultivate her, is our liberation. We are the Mm. queen of Olympus. But if we use her to self-destruct and self-betray, she can make our life a living hell. 
Mm, I love that you just tied that back into Black Moon Lilith because that is exactly the energy that I feel with with that particular archetype with a lot of astrology doesn't really talk about what Black Moon Lilith is. And I love how you've just circled that into Hera. Wow. Wow. All right. This is this is <laughs> this is another one of these amazing shows where I know people are going to we pack it in. We pack a punch. Yep. <laughs> when when we come together, we pack a punch. We go deep, we go fast. So I'm actually gonna hit the pause button here and I'm gonna allow everyone time to process how we began the discussion around mythology. And for those listening, if you want more information, go listen to our other shows because how's the, how this plays out in your life, in the universal laws, in the spiritual truths, which is all connected back to how you're living your life, go listen to the other shows. So we're giving you little tidbits. And I know that this was a lot, but we are so grateful always for Dr. Yahya's time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say on my YouTube Message from the planets, part one and two talks about all the archetypes, all the planets, all the gods. And I tie it back to the psyche and how they play out in your life, both low consciousness and high consciousness. I also have a primer on who's who in mythology where I share the goddess linked to the archetypal or the planetary archetype. So there's like a PowerPoint presentation there. It's short, but it's another review if you want to learn these things. Great. We will put that link in the show notes so people can like take a breath and catch up because you and I can go at a high right. speed because we, we have a we have a certain level of understanding. And so if this is your first introduction to mythology, take a breath, go check out the YouTube channels, come back and listen to this again, and then go check out all the other shows because we're still we're still in these conversations and we will be back. We will we'll be we back. will return. We have Aphrodite we, to cover. And we have Aphrodite, <laughs> I know. And the Amazon Amazonian oh, yes. women. I mean, we have lots to talk about. So thank you for those of you that are listening for being with us on this journey. And you know how to find me in all of the places. The links are always going to be in my show notes. Thank you for listening and we will be back. Thank you for joining us today. On any of your favorite listening apps, we would really appreciate a rating and review. And if you're looking for more information, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and you can find us there.